Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And more speed cameras are expected on our roadways. We can see a 20% introduction and an increase of speed cameras. This is to deal with the increasing amount of road deaths over the past number of months and indeed years. And following on from yesterday's show, where we spoke about the hikes when it comes to penalty points for motorists, and we heard uh, the need to educate many when it comes to driving. This morning, we're going to hear from an ex-emergency service personnel who first-hand witnessed the worst traffic accidents and he feels something does need to be done uh, when it comes to speed on a road. We'll be speaking on the programme this morning with Eddie Buckley. He's a retired now from the uh, Cork City Fire Service. He'll join us on the show this morning. Your uh, thoughts are welcome on that. Line's open 0818-103-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 an amount of calls, an amount of emails and texts uh, from the show yesterday to do uh, with our roads and to do with the increase in penalty points and indeed what needs to be done I will get back to a lot of those that, that came in to us uh, over the course of uh, the show yesterday that we didn't get to and indeed yesterday afternoon that is to come also ahead on the programme this morning why the government has been given a C-plus grade for progress on climate change. We'll speak to Friends of the Earth who issued this report. Discussing the latest RTP report, this RTP report is showing the increase in rents right across Cork City and Cork County. But what we're hearing from people is how hard it is for those who are renting and they're still trying to save for a mortgage to purchase a house while they pay the bills coming in, uh, the high energy bills, everything else that comes with that, and then indeed uh, the high rent costs. Now, Focus Ireland wants something done about this, and we'll speak with them this morning on that. We're also going to hear about a bell restoration project that's going ahead at St Mary's Church in Donnerill. And if you ever hear bells chiming out from a church, they are beautiful, and when they uh, play the bells to a certain song, uh, it is something that I think it's unique unique to certain parts of the country. So we're going to hear about exactly what is going on in Donnerill later this morning. And last week, we were joined, as usual, by our regular councillor on the show, Joe Heffernan. He discussed trauma. We'll continue that discussion uh, this week and dealing with trauma after a critical incident. So that and much more to come. You can email us across the show, corktoday at c103.ie. But it is to the roads again this morning that a lot of the talk uh, is coming in on. And this 
this is the fact that, first of all, there will be a crackdown on speeding offences, but also uh, it seems, according to government sources who have been telling a number of newspapers overnight, that they feel drivers are being reckless on the road since the pandemic. And that has led to 23 more road deaths so far this year than during the same period last year and 38 more than the same period in 2019. And because of that, that is why, again, this morning when the National Slowdown Day was finishing up at 7am this morning, the Justice Minister Helen McAtee announced that the use of speed cameras on Irish roads that is set to increase by 20% in response to these worrying trends around increasing road fatalities. And an example yesterday of those caught Uh, doing uh, high speeds. First of all, in the city, in the Rochester Road area, somebody was doing 67k in a 50k zone and then somebody was doing over 130k in the Kilworth area yesterday as well. So uh, while that was all going on, many feel that what's the point in having just one day of a national slowdown day, that it should be going on every day. And then there's the issue of enforcement. If you don't have the Gardaí on the ground or on the roads to enforce all these new laws and all these changes, well, what's the point in bringing them in? Anyhow, your views are welcome on that across the show as well. I will get to a lot of emails that came in to us yesterday and indeed across the afternoon and evening as well on that issue. And this morning, I see a lot of texts coming in regarding, I mean, this is from Anne, first of all, who says, good morning, JP. Why is there dust on all over my car this morning. And also I see a text from a number of people saying, yes, I have woken up and I have seen all this red type dust over my car in Mealing. And I know earlier when we were doing the preview with Ken Tobin on The Breakfast Show, uh, there was Jim in Mealing as well was on regarding this dust. Well, Jim hit the nail on the head. He was uh, wondering, was it from the Sahara? And it is. And usually it can happen in September. It's not the first time this has happened. When it does happen, for some reason, it does affect the coastal areas more than inland but this time it seems to be everywhere and because we're having a mini heat wave at the moment and it's beautiful to have the high temperatures and the sun yesterday everybody in good form but this has brought uh, this kind of strange weather event and it's a rare sight uh, for many but it does happen it's this Sahara dust and it's from the Sahara desert and it's falling it could happen across the week it's falling right across Cork in the south of Ireland at the moment and indeed overnight and yesterday evening and it's many times the, the they reference this and they call it blood rain and the reason it's referred to as blood rain is because of the type and the colour of it. It's, it looks like blood. It's the kind of red, pinky uh, colour that lands on your car. And if you have a lighter colour car or on your windscreen more so, you will see this. It's carried because of the winds um, from the North Africa. Uh, they basically whip up huge quantities of winds and this, the reddish sands in the Sahara then is basically lifted up, carried over Europe and lands down over us then. And usually if you have a light shower of rain, which there was in many places uh, overnight and again this morning then the showers bring the dust down and that's uh, where the sand and the dust we are seeing this morning on our cars is coming from. We've got videos in from people overnight from the Bandon area, Clonakilty area, Skibbereen uh, Tralee as well from people yesterday evening who experienced it there uh, and it seemed to uh, push right across the uh, southern part of Ireland then and this morning now people in North Cork and East Cork are uh, informing us that they in the last uh, two or three hours are noticing this uh, kind of dust effect on their cars and that's what it is all from the Sahara Desert and has uh, travelled right over us here uh, to uh, Cork and indeed beyond as well so that's what it's called uh, Blood Rain there we are
And if you are in uh, an area where you've had that dust, let us know this morning. Have you uh, had the, the dust on your car when you woke up? Uh, let us know where you are. Send us a video as well. You can do that on WhatsApp 0862 103 103. But for you, Anne, that is the reason. It's the dust from the Sahara is covering your car this morning. And also making news this morning is as Electric Picnic, by the way, finished up on Sunday evening and people were leaving uh, Leash yesterday to head home after a great weekend. Uh, the Wolf Tones, first of all, attracted the biggest crowd in the Electric Picnic history last night. And many of you saw the names I and mean, there was huge names at Electric Picnic, the likes of Billie Eilish and more. But it was the Wolf Tones who uh, drew the crowd to the big tent, so much so that people couldn't even get into the huge tent. They were outside uh, singing along to the Wolf Tone songs and of course a very popular song that's sung by I think the verse, the best version is by Jim McCann uh, that song Grace uh, that he sung and the Wolf Tones have sung that as well and, and that's going around on social media their version of that and the crowd singing along to that song so uh, while there's mixed views about people going along to see the Wolf Tones they did attract the biggest crowd at EP on uh, Sunday evening towards the end of the concert but now turn the, the attention is turning to that site in Strabali but the site itself and the tents that are on that site are now going to be accommodating refugees uh, but many have mixed views on this because while there's up to 750 Ukrainian refugees likely to be housed in these tents from today and it's seemingly a six-week contract that has been signed by the Department of Integration for these kind of glamping tents that are used at that site in County Leash Uh, and of course they're doing this because of the chronic shortage of accommodation in this country and they have been open saying for those who are arriving into Ireland over the next while the only means of housing from next week will be tinted accommodation. Uh, There's no other housing aspects or housing uh, availability here in Ireland. So that's why uh, for those Ukrainians that are coming to Ireland to flee the war, they'll be coming here, but they'll be going to tents in uh, County Leash. Uh, But there is mixed views on this. And while the government say it's only for six weeks, some feel that it will go on further than six weeks. I don't know how you feel about that uh, on those refugees been put into tents on uh, the site of a concert that has just finished. Uh, John Lennon, he's CEO of human rights organisation Doris and he feels it's totally inadequate to the response. He was speaking to our news service across the weekend and this is what he was saying. Tents should not be the answer to providing accommodation for people escaping the war in Ukraine. There are obvious questions over the standard and the quality of tents, but more broadly, the government needs to acknowledge that there is a need for better, more long-term solutions to meet the accommodation requirements of people coming from Ukraine. We'd be particularly concerned about children and families being asked to live in tents regardless of the length. So your views are welcome. If there is nothing else available for those coming here, is that the only option or what do you do? Uh, 0818-103-103, lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On the blood rain that so many people are in contact with us uh, this morning on, uh, first of all, hello to Kathleen who said, yes, my car is covered in the dust from the Sahara in Shambali Moor uh, this morning. Mike is in Bantry. Again, early this morning in Bantry, they had that on the cars as is 
Eleanor in Clonakilty. But Eleanor in Clonakilty had red sand on her car yesterday evening at about seven o'clock. So it really started yesterday evening in the West Cork area and then seemed to travel overnight. Or the, maybe the downpours or the, the light showers didn't hit the rest of the county until this morning. But hello to you, Eleanor. And then Susan wants to know, did anybody notice a very white sunset last night? Now, maybe it was just the way the sky was. It was kind of clouds, like clouds in the sky. But as we're speaking about uh, blood rain and dust from the Sahara landing on our cars this morning, Susan asking the question, did anybody notice that really white sunset last night? It was beautiful. Not too sure where you're living, Susan, but thank you uh, for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And Heidi has sent in a picture of her car. Heidi is in Bantry and it's a kind of a, a whiny coloured car, which is totally covered in sand. It is like that you are parked on the beach and there's been a gust of wind and the wind has put all the sand on your car uh, really heavy. Uh, so thank you, Heidi, for that. So it really depends where you were in Cork this morning. Uh, from the blood rain to a number of calls and comments in yesterday regarding the issue of our roads and speed on our roads and deaths on our roads and what needs to be done and do the government now at this stage need to hike penalty points or will that do anything and the introduction of more speed cameras will that improve the situation on our road? First of all, Jerry in Mallow who was in touch yesterday afternoon Jerry says that there was 1 million cars in 2000, now we have 2 million cars and the population has gone up so there is an equal amount of accidents pro rata to the amount of cars says Jerry while while Joan is in Formoy, she feels that the roads in and around the Formoy area are just dreadful. She went for a drive near Kilworth lately, but the roads are so narrow you can't pass. And there is a lovely picnic area near the mart outside Formoy, but it has been left completely overgrown, so it's not usable. So we're doing ourselves no favour, says uh, Joan in Formoy. While John in the North Cork area says the speed vans, he feels if we introduce more speed vans, uh, that they're only a revenue source, those speed Speed vans can't get you for drink or drug driving or indeed dangerous driving. They just detect the speed and that's not enough. John feeling that just for uh, the revenue side of things, uh, says John. And another John, this Jonathan in Chiquila. And he was in contact with us before regarding the roads between Inchigila and Toher via Money Lee. And he said at that time that the council came back and they promised that they will ensure they will cut back the hedgerows on that roadway. But there are three school buses full of young children now trying to navigate the falling branches and roadside trees on this road. Would the council let us know when this will be completed before an accident will happen in the Inchigila area? That's John in Inchigila on text to 0862103103. I've also had, a, 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 again, this came in yesterday, but the show was so busy yesterday we didn't get the this regarding the National Plumbing Championships and people having problems getting students uh, tickets for the National Plumbing Championships. I will get back to that, but as far as we know, there is no student option this year, if there ever was, uh, for the National Plumbing Championships. But they are coming into... Uh, well, again, the news uh, headlines today, because if you're not purchasing a ticket online, uh, the National Plant Association are defending this because they're going hiking the price at the gate. And this month at the National Plant Championships, you'll be paying €30 Euro at the gate. I think they're €25 Euro for the tickets online. You'll be paying more at the gate. Anyhow, we'll be going back to that later in the programme. But if you have tried to get tickets for students uh, on on the National Plant Championships website, uh, let us know. 
Now, as far as I know, and I, we looked at this beforehand before the show, there is no option for students, but was there in the past? Uh, let us know. You can call Bernie on 0818 103 103. Going back to the issue, though, of road safety next, we'll speak to, with uh, Eddie Buckley, uh, now retired from the Cork City Fire Service. But what needs to be done? Because this person uh, firsthand has witnessed the worst traffic accidents right across the Cork area. Uh, he feels speed is an issue. We'll speak with him next. Cork Today on C103. Yesterday, we had huge reaction on the issue of road safety as motorists are due to face a hike in penalty points. Many feel the Road Safety Authority needs to look more uh, than speed and look at our road network, but also educate young drivers in school to, to tackle the issue in relation to road safety. Well, Eddie Buckley is a retired emergency service personnel from Cork City Fire Brigade, and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Eddie. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. I mean, you and those in the emergency services, you see the result of accidents firsthand as you were usually first on the scene. Uh, from your experience over the years, Eddie, is speed a factor? Absolutely. Absolutely. And as I said, from my own experience and from that of all emergency services, speed is a huge factor in road safety, in, in the injuries sustained in, road, in um, speed. There are other factors as well. You can have a genuine accident. You can have, um, you know, trivial situations and car collisions. But when you look at it and the mechanism of injury, when you look at the car like that, it gives you a good idea as to what's happened. You understand? And, and our recent um, tragedies around the country, which have been very, very sad, I don't know how it happened. It isn't for me to speculate or whatever, but you can only assume that speed could be a factor in that as well. And you mentioned there, we always hear about the road deaths, but a lot of the time there is an accident and it can result in someone ending up spending a lot of time in hospital with injuries from that accident. That can be, not all the time, but can be, Eddie, as a result of speed. Absolutely. You see, you're only off here about the fatality. And a lot of the time, people end up with serious injuries, life-changing injuries, whether it be physical or mental disabilities for the rest of their lives. And you also mentioned there about education. Now, I and many, many others, I want to emphasize that part, not just me, but I was uh, the Gardaí, Traffic Corps, the Ambulance Service, and a few other agencies. We used to run different shows over the years. The Axel Road Show for, for students, uh, you know, uh, they were on midterm break, whatever the case it was. We used to bring them to a hotel for the day, and we'd demonstrate road traffic situations and putting people out of cars and fields. We also did for the Road Safety Authority. And I firmly believe it was a very good educational thing for them. Because a lot of these people get into a car, and a car is a very, very lethal weapon in in the wrong hands. They go and people drive, but they never think of the consequences when something goes wrong. And it is frightening to see it, and it's something that never leaves. And a lot of people have died over this past couple of weeks now, and as I said, there's not a week goes by we've been here about some fatalities. And those roadshows you mentioned, uh, some of them, I think the last one was run at the Rochester Park Hotel with the oh, RSA. I right. mean, they, they did make a difference. And should we have further education in our schools when it comes to driving? Maybe in fourth year, there's always a question about fourth year. Absolutely. I think it's a very, Absolutely. it's a good year for life experience. Should something happen within the classroom and indeed have these roadshows? I mean, are, are those roadshows still going, Eddie? I'm too sure, as I said, I'm retired a few years now and I'm not too sure mm. what's happening with them at the moment, but they were vital. And I have to give credit, I'm not promoting anybody here with no means, but AXA started that programme some years ago and it was very beneficial because what we did, we demonstrated uh, 
simulated car accident, people, the relatives of victims who died in road traffic, attended for an old forest and they came to all the road shows to just to tell the people how it is when their family dies or their sons or daughters or whatever case it is. We also had patients who came and gave their views, people in wheelchairs, people with walking disabilities, mental disabilities, and they also came along. Now, it could have been, it was very upsetting for some, no doubt, but people went away from that show knowing that there's another side from putting down the boat and driving down the road, whatever the case is. Because today, as one of your callers said, and you rightly said there a while ago, we had so many cars a couple of years ago, we have double the amount now. And driving down the road is like a, it's like a, a speed track. There are certain places, if you adhere to the speed limit, you're taking your life in your hands because something is up behind you, another person is trying to get in front of you in the whole lot. It's frightening in certain places. And I only speak not, not for all, I can assure you. But certain, a certain amount of younger drivers, once they get their license, they think they have the road open to themselves. And, and I, that's only a certain amount, not all of them, I assure you. But it's frightening. And sometimes they can pay the ultimate price. And you'd see that when you take them up to the any departments, whatever the case it is, and you see the medical staff who are trying to sort them out and fix them, who, who suffer as a result of that as well, when they see all these horrific situations. And while education is key and, and what you've outlined there is also something that, that needs to be continued for road safety, how do we change that mindset then in a world where everyone is rushing? I mean, you mentioned there are certain areas where people do speed. I could name a number of them right across Cork City and County. How do you change a mindset in a world where there is more pressure put on us all to get from A to B quicker? There is indeed, there is indeed. And somebody, we can't, uh, we can't carry on and pay the price of, of life in order to continue that. I think the most important thing, even though they're talking about more cameras, they're talking about uh, speed bands and everything else. And someone said they're really the speed band is probably uh, a revenue collector or whatever. I think there's only one way for it, more Gandhi on the beach. We look for them. We need them in certain places to do the road checks and everything else. And it is known, it's a well-known fact over the years, and it's been proven, if a guard stops a car with excessive speed or toxins or whatever the case is, the chances are very much that he's saving that person's life or someone down the road, an innocent passenger or driver down the road and some pedestrian. So we need to have more guardy on the beat. I know it's through no fault of their own, they're restricted in their case, but it's gone out of control at this moment. If you travel yourself, as you said, on the roads, it can be frightening with the speed of certain people passing on and everything else. And it's not the Garda's fault, but there is a lack no, of enforcement. There is a complete lack of enforcement. I mean, they're talking yesterday, they had the 24-hour speed, uh, watching the speed limits. And what's going to happen for the next uh, couple of months or weeks, whatever? Does it all finish now? And this is the point. Yeah, one day isn't enough. It's not at all, not at all. There must be a regular situation, system in place for that. Now, I, 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 I'm passionate about this. I mean, the fire service, the modern-day fire service today, they deal with as much as road traffic accidents as they do with fires. And you know, all the fire service, all the paramedics, the whole asset, they're completely wrapped up in road traffic situations. And we meet people, and they still meet people who lost loved ones on road traffic situations. We meet them every year at the annual uh, mass for the road safety and the victims, the parents, the, 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 children, the children of, uh, of uh, 
victims who have lost their lives, and we meet them at the masses. And when you see those people, their lives have changed forever. It's bad enough, it's horrible to lose a member of family. But in a situation like that, like we had four young people the other night in the, the, the car after the evening, sir. I mean, how could you condone or how could you get over the situation when you lost a young one? And when I, I have children myself, like many other people, they're driving off along their cars with their children. I worry about them and the safety that they, that they won't be blown off the road by some lunatic whose excessive speed or carelessness can do so much harm. And you yourself, when you were working with the fire service, I mean, you must have come across some really tragic accidents that you can talk about whereby you had to see and, and deal with sad circumstances there and then on the roadside. Oh, it's absolutely. And I mean, you can ask any member of the emergency services. Ask any. I was 42 years in Cork City Fire Brigade. You ask any man who was 12 months in the fire service, and he can tell you about situations, tragic situations. And I mean, I could. There's, there's so many that you wouldn't believe half the, the situation that you would see. And and hopefully, you don't want people to see that. You don't want people to suffer that. But that is the result of carelessness not abiding by the rules of the road. The rules of the road, even though we don't like them, certain areas with speed and some whatever, they're there to protect us and to save life. And that's the bottom line. But as you said earlier on there, they're rushing and racing, we can't get here and can't get there and everything. And there are some children who suffer the result of that, as we have seen again this past few days. And when you came across fatal road accidents on, on many of the roads right across Cork City and County, I mean, is it something that stays with you for the rest of your life? Then we have spoken before with Gardy, who, who said it's, it's the worst ever. No one wants to come across these accidents, but they do. And it's very hard to go home then, I presume, Eddie, to your own family and continue on your own life after what you have seen whenever it was it is, uh, that it day. Is very, very, it's very, very hard. It's very difficult. And particularly then, you have your, your own children, your own grandchildren, you know, and you relate to these things. And it is upsetting. And, and you know, the, God almighty, I don't know how these people go. We, we found it upsetting. But you'd imagine, I mean, I always think of the carter who has to go to the house, knock on the door and say, listen, we've had the situation. And I've seen on a few occasions Gabby, who are as was petrified for want of a better word, knowing that he has to go down and inform some parent or lover, whatever, their, their relative, their son or daughter, whatever, or their father, to be killed in a road traffic situation. It's an awful, awful task. But you can come away from it. You can, you never get used to it. You just learn how to deal with it. And, and, and that's the only way you can describe it. But it is moving at the moment again. It's, it's gone through the roof at the moment now. I spoke with a sergeant uh, who used to present our Garda file here and he was retiring and I was asking him what stood out in his career and he was outlining a number of, of issues he dealt with over the year, positive and negative, but the one yeah. thing, and you've touched on it there, was after an accident and there was one particular uh, time and it was a young person that he had to go to the door of the house, knock on the door and inform the parents that their son or daughter uh, didn't make it after a car crash that evening. And he, even though the way he described it, it was probably the best safety message at that time of broadcast. But it's a reality that stays with him forever, with the parents forever. Awesome. He said you become part of the household for about 15 to 20 minutes because he was inside making them a cup of tea in their own kitchen, right. informing them of, of this dreadful news. Absolutely. Yes, it's, it's frightening. It, it's, it, it, there's no words can describe it. 
and there's another situation where we've all we've all lost loved ones through illness and this and that and everything else. But I mean, in the latter part of my career, I would have spent a bit of time up in the resuscitation room in the CUH, and uh, they'd be critically impatient there and uh, just had to be brought in. And then when you when the doctors can't do any more, for want of a better word, and I remember one night this this, this doctor saying, "Why well, was I better than the parents?" And there was silence all over the place. And then a few minutes later, you heard the screams. And they'd been told, you know. And uh, you don't forget these things. And most of these situations, this is the frightening thing about it, could have been avoided. They could have been avoided. And that, that's the upsetting part. You know, because when you go to a situation and you see what's involved, you say, yeah, that could have been avoided, you know. And that's the reality of it, as you described the there. Being in, yes. in, a, in a hospital and... Uh, knowing when you hear those screams, the doctor has told that family that yes, their loved one has passed on. Yes, yes. Just awful. I, I think people should, you see, they have this perception it's never going to happen to them. But any time you get into your car, you have to be vigilant. No phones, you have to concentrate on driving. There's some cars passing in there and there's music blasting out. And they have no, you know, that's okay too. They put the bolts to the floor and off they go. They think that's it. That it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And I hope to God, and you know, you don't you pray that everybody would be safe on the roads. But it's really getting out of control. And something would have to be done. The government will have to do something. And I don't know where they're going to get them, but they'll have to get the traffic all out on the road on a more regular basis. Because I didn't see any guardia around yesterday. And I was out. Yeah, well, you make a good point. I was out as well. Now, I was earlier for, for the start of that natural slowdown day yesterday morning. I was in before 7am, but certainly driving home. And this morning, driving to the studio, I didn't come across any Gardaí. Uh, speed vans, yes, but Gardaí, no. Um, yeah. Just two questions from listeners. First of all, our road network. Does our road network for today's level of traffic, is that an issue? Oh, I don't know. I, I Quite honestly, I think they're ruining the road network. But, um, I mean... No matter where you go, you can get some fellow who's going to just put the boat to the floor, you know. Mm. And um, it doesn't matter where you are. And you see vans. And, 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 and indeed, you see some um, articulated trucks. Well, definitely, there are a few of them. Not all. I can absolutely assure not all. But there are some fellows who just take off and see what happens, you know. But they, you have to realize, you have to respect the other people on the road. And there's too many young people gone to their grave. Too many young people gone to their grave over the years because of all the situation. It's frightening. And on that, and this came up as well on the show yesterday, would anything maybe like a limiter or a restrictor on for the speed a car can go on, would that work? I think it would, uh, especially for for new drivers. For new drivers, so that they can just get the idea. um, I I think it would be very important, quite honestly. Now, I won't be like Trustee, and I know that, but a lot of people who have died this year and in the past few years have been younger people. And a lot of them who get their license and with the license, that they get the license and they can start off. But they need to adjust themselves to regular traffic. And you do that by adhering to the speed limit. The speed limit for your safety and the safety of others. You have to do it, and that's the bottom line. But there are some cars today, like, my God, they're, they're very fast, very fast, you know. But you just have to, in some cases, maybe if somebody is flouting the law, put a speed limit on those cars, part of the punishment, whatever you want to go on it, you know. You know, because, I mean, as I said, I want to drive on the road too, you know. But there's one thing I will do, I tell you. I will always adhere to the speed limit. 
for my own safety, the safety of others, because we, we, we deserve that. Yeah. And while you could be driving or any of us could be driving and, and watching the rules of the road, the person coming towards us may not be. And that is the worry. Eddie, we could chat to you all day. Your experience shines through. But thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. You're very welcome. Thank you. Eddie Buckley there. Just an insight to what he saw and what needs to be done. Uh, Eddie's a retired from the emergency services. He was with Cork City Fire Brigade for a number of years and we thank Eddie for joining us this morning. Uh, your views are welcome on 0818 103 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 on the way from the roads to our housing situation as rents increase right across Cork City and County. We're hearing from people who are trying to save for a more mortgage to purchase a house, then pay their bills, but also pay the high rents. It's something that Focus Ireland are aware of and they want the government to intervene on this and help these people in the budget. We'll speak with Focus Ireland next. Court today on C103. Average rents have increased as the latest figures have shown from the RTB. As a result, this is putting pressure on people to afford renting a home. And Connor Culkin joins me from Focus Ireland this morning. Good morning to you, Connor. Good morning, Jeffy. We've seen average rent prices that are increasing here in Cork. The average now is around €1,500 from this report. Uh, Many would say it can be higher than this, but this is having an effect then for those who simply cannot afford that amount to rent a house, or indeed many who are renting rooms in homes that can be nearly up to €1,000 now here in Cork. Yeah, I mean, Focus Ireland is urgently calling for increased support for vulnerable tenants who who are grappling with these rising rents. I mean, the RTB uh, report, as, as you mentioned there, showed an, an alarming increase of 9% across the country. Now, it's pushing many uh, renters into deep poverty and an increased number are at risk of homelessness, including many in Cork. Now, we're seeing rents now in Cork City average over 1,500. Even in, uh, even in the county, rents are increasingly getting higher and higher. Carrigaline, you're seeing average rents of over 1,400. Even Cove, over 1,200 uh, a month uh, to rent. So Focus Ireland believes that many people working on lower and middle incomes, you know, they're struggling to pay their rent as the crisis deepens. And the government must act accordingly in the forthcoming budget to, to try to help them. And many people, while they're renting, they're also trying to save for a mortgage and they're trying to pay the bills that are coming in from the house they're renting within. Uh, but then on the other side of that, uh, the landlord or the homeowner is saying, well, mortgage rates have gone up, so they have to increase the rent as a result. Yeah, absolutely. It is a problem for landlords uh, as well as tenants. And, and, you know, Focus Ireland, we're an evidence-based organisation. We believe in fairness. We, we believe in fairness for tenants. But we also believe in fairness for landlords and we have advocated that landlords, many landlords who are leaving the market are leaving the market because the the cost is too high to rent a room. And you, you mentioned about mortgage rates, but there's also increased taxation. And there has been talk about uh, tax relief for landlords in order to keep landlords in the market. And Focus Ireland believes this should be the case. We need to increase the amount of supply for people uh, who are renting. Uh, and also, uh, we want to keep landlords in the market. So there really does need to be, uh, it needs to be looked at uh, to help landlords, certainly in the area of tax relief. But we do believe this will be coming in the forthcoming uh, budget. So Hopefully uh, there will be some relief for landlords as well as struggling tenants. 
Because since the eviction ban was lifted, there's no talk of that ban coming back. Many have left the market and then this is resulting in what we are seeing at the moment within the housing market. But also we are seeing a lot of landlords not taking HAP. Yeah, HAP is a major problem at the moment. And and, and Focus Ireland really do believe that the HAP rates need to be increased. You know, our dedicated advice and information staff, they help tenants uh, from losing their homes every single day. However, many of the tenants who are on HAP are facing uh, eviction because of skyrocketing rents. And now the current maximum limit on HAP properties is is woefully inadequate and urgently needs to be adjusted to, re- to realistically reflect a substantial increase in rents over the past six years because market rents in the private sector have become, as we all know, increasingly unsustainable, but especially for low-income and vulnerable groups. Now, despite rents going up and up and up, HAP rates have remained stagnant since 2017. And it is a fair point you make. It is, it is absolutely true that many landlords, they don't want to take in HAP tenants. They prefer to deal directly with the tenant rather go through local authorities. And that's another problem, is that if you're a prospective tenant and you're looking for a place and you say you're on HAP, it is a fact that many landlords will probably go with another prospective tenant. And you shouldn't. It's not allowed to discriminate if a tenant is is on HAP or receives the payment. But we have come across this through numerous cases through our advice and information. Do the government need to rethink HAP, the housing assistance payment and how it's run? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Focus Ireland is calling upon policymakers and the relevant authorities to take immediate action to address this issue. You know, we need to safeguard vulnerable tenants and prevent homelessness. And ultimately, it's imperative that HAP rates are increased in line with current market conditions. Because if you think about the homeless numbers at the moment, there are over 12,000 people in emergency common in, in emergency accommodation, I should say. And there's over 3,800 children in emergency accommodation. There's two ways we need to reduce the homeless figures. One way is through supply, through moving people out of homelessness, through an increased supply of social and uh, affordable housing. But another way we need to decrease the numbers is by prevention. And a lot of the people who are falling into homelessness are are tenants who are on the HAP payment. So if the HAP limit, if HAP rates are increased, we in line with market rents, we will ultimately see more. We would see more prevention from homelessness with with tenants and families. And then away from renting an actual whole house to maybe just renting a room in a house, and we have seen this away from the RTB figures, the census figures are showing that 21% of people have one or two more spare rooms in their home, but they're not availing of the rent-a-room scheme. Many just simply don't want to rent. They feel they've had too much trouble in the past with tenants. I mean, how do you convert those people who have the space to rent out? It's interesting because there are so many new government schemes, whether they be the rent-a-room scheme, whether they be the uh, uh, renter's relief, that are, not, that are not communicated enough through local authorities. And I also think that as well as Focus Ireland, we do our best to let people know 
of the uh, the schemes that are available for people. I think it's also up to uh, local representatives to to make their, their their voters know about whether it be the rent the rent a room scheme, whether it be HAP, whether it be other forms forms of of assistance for both for landlords and both for tenants because the problem at the moment is is that it's ever changing there are new schemes coming up all the time there's government government is talking about adding uh, different type of equity schemes different uh, uh, rent a room schemes and there needs to be i think a greater form of communication both through a local authority level but also i think all of our elected rep- representatives need to be brush up uh, on the on the new developments and let everybody know so people will know if they're entitled for certain uh, benefits or schemes as well. Across the weekend, you would have seen in many of the papers uh, young people living with their parents and remaining in their childhood bedroom. We can see why we've more or less discussed why uh, that is happening. The cost of buying a home, the cost of renting a home. I think from the latest census, one in six of all adults in the McCroom electoral area were living with their parents. Uh, That was up to until uh, April 2022, the highest in Cork County. Uh, But for them, Connor, I mean, where do you go? There's the demand and the supply issue, and that filters right down to what you were talking about for those who simply are struggling with their rent. Yeah, ultimately, I touched upon the supply issue, and the government have talked about ramping up social and affordable housing. And, you know, recently we opened new units in the Grand Parade there. Uh, in Cork City, that was a derelict site, and we were, it was fantastic to cooperate with the local city council and the Department of Housing. But ultimately, we need so many more social and affordable housing to come on board, and that will free up the market. So the problem is, is that a lot of vulnerable people are in the rental market and the housing market with people on middle incomes, and a lot of people, let's say, who are on lower to middle incomes are living with their parents, they're being forced uh, to try to save. And there's just not enough affordable supply out there. So if you replenish the supply of social and affordable housing for the most vulnerable, then people on middle income groups will be able to avail of other options uh, to buy buy their homes. So it really is a supply issue. In some ways, there is supply out there in the rental market and in the housing market. But it's just too high. I mean, like we're seeing in the RTB report, we're seeing rents which are over 2000 a month in some cases. And, you know, if you're trying to save for a house and you're paying over 1500 to over 2000 it's an unrealistic prospect. So the government in the forthcoming budget really do need to ramp up the efforts to help people to try to buy a home but also to replenish the supply of social and affordable housing. Yeah, it is tough for those who are working or renting and then trying to save for a mortgage is basically impossible at the moment to do that. Anyhow, Connor, uh, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. No problem. That is Connor Culkin there uh, joining us from Focus Ireland. Cork today until 1JP with you. Bernie taking your calls and comments on 0818 103 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. On the way we're going to be hearing why the government has been given a C plus grade for progress on climate issues. Uh, this was issued to them by Friends of the Earth who issued a 
report and we'll speak with them shortly on the programme. But back to a number of calls and comments in relation to our roads, road safety. Should there be hikes for motorists when it comes to penalty points and why we will be seeing more uh, speed vans on our roads? An increase of 20% of those speed vans announced this morning again at the end of the National Slowdown Day around 7am. Uh, the announcement yet again made by the Justice Minister, Helen McAtee. A lot of reaction on this. Uh, first of all, when we were speaking to Eddie Buckley, a former uh, worker and indeed emergency personnel with Cork City Fire Brigade, Pat in Formoy, and this is something that Eddie did touch on. While we keep hearing about the road deaths, uh, Pat making the point that there are 649 people with life-changing injuries from traffic accidents this year alone. And they must be remembered too that uh, even though we hear about the fatalities, an accident can change a person's life. So thank you for that, Pat. And a listener uh, who is texting and they just say they're from the West Cork area. They say they have seen the speed cameras um, on many of the roads and they wonder should they be in other areas? areas uh, than where they are. I presume that's making the point that uh, you feel they're in the wrong location. Uh, another listener then in the West Cork area is saying where they live over the weekend by racers. Uh, they're doing drifting and they're destroying the road and the noise level was very, very bad. So this person reported it to the Gardaí. Uh, the Gardaí then said to them, look, at if it happens again, ring the Garda station and they will go out and tell the, as he calls them, the speeding boys to go away. But this person feels it's not good enough. Why not give them heavy fines as well as penalty points? If they're caught in the act, why aren't they uh, fined as well as the ordinary motorists on the road would be? Stop targeting the car owners all the time. Go out after the speed racers, says that listener in the West Cork area. Uh, Somebody else asking uh, why indeed they can't fit speed limiters to all cars, not just some cars, not just for younger drivers. All cars should have speed limiters, the same as trucks have them all. And Mary is in Blarney and she says... With so many accidents, why aren't the ditches cut? They are lethal. I used to cycle to work, but I gave up because I was nearly knocked off my bike through no fault of the driver. But with the hedges, I could not pull in anymore. It's absolutely lethal. And why don't the landowners or farmers cut the outside of the ditches and at the inside for the wildlife? It's an absolute disgrace, says Mary in Blarney. Uh, While Maggie feels that at this stage, restrictors have to be put in all vehicles as soon as with the Gardaí out of view with no speed vans uh, or a lack of them on the roads. People are just driving quite fast again. It's becoming like a racetrack, says Maggie. She's driving a long time and she says now more than ever, the speed has got a lot, lot worse over the last two to three years. And twice over the last week, she has come across someone driving towards her uh, on her side of the road. It can be frightening at times when driving, says Maggie. And another example then of driver behaviour, and this is from uh, somebody who was in the Little Island area this morning. And a lot of changes there uh, with the change to the Dunkettle interchange and lanes have changed in that area. So because of this, this person realised they were in the wrong lane at the traffic lights, which were red at the time. So this person put on their indicator to change the lane, thinking the fella behind was going to let them in. But instead, he decided to blow his horn hard, waving his arm out the window. Now, granted, uh, this person says on WhatsApp, I probably shouldn't uh, have waited, but I genuinely thought he was a gentleman. But boy, was I wrong. I hope he has a lovely day. Not in capitals on WhatsApp. Uh, thank you for that. So it just shows the I suppose the frustration that is on the roads as well out there. And Heidi is saying it's our road networks that has caused so much heartache to people because the roads don't get the maintenance and upkeep that they really need. Uh, 
in Dove we need to start complaining more fields Heidi and just going back to the issue of restricting cars uh, uh, WhatsApp are here saying that they got a Japanese car 25 years ago uh, brought that car into Ireland and when the car goes over 60 miles an hour it rang a continuous bell to slow down why isn't this the case now in all new cars? Uh, Michael is in Buttevant and he's saying on driver behaviour on Sunday evening at 11 o'clock coming out of Blackpool, two cars came up alongside him and they started zigzagging in and out of the lanes, racing each other. No thought for any other road users, no guardian in sight. And that is something that Eddie did touch on, the fact that you could be a good driver, you could be obeying the rules of the road, uh, but it's the others on the road, the person driving towards you, the person like Michael and Buttevant in the lane next to you. What do they, th- that person does, what do they do? Uh, that can affect your life uh, and put you in danger uh, and no fault of your own. Anyhow, thank you for uh, some of the calls and comments coming in regarding road safety. Uh, Bernie taking those calls on 0818 103 103 on the blood rain. And this is how the winds from the Sahara have brought this dust over Cork this morning and indeed across the south of Ireland. And many people woke up to what looked like sand on their cars. Well, it is sand from the Sahara. Uh, first of all, hello to a person in Ballyhay. Their car was covered in that dust this morning. And Noreen in Clonakilty has sent me a picture of her car, a kind of a dark car, but it's like really, it's a really, really heavy uh, fall in some areas of uh, the county uh, across Cork. But this from Noreen, it's like someone has has thrown sand on her car. It really does. A really heavy fall there in the Clonacilty area. And hi to Mary Ellen, who is in Broadford in West Limerick. The red dust, we have it all over our car this morning in Broadford. As does John in Mitchellstown. He has this red sand in Curragurum in Mitchellstown. Miriam is abandoned but was in Kinsale last night. She parked her car and there was a shower of rain when she came back. Her car was covered in that dust. But when she got back to Bandon, her friends wanted to know how her car got in such a state. There was no dust in Bandon at that time anyhow. Uh, later on it did come because we have videos and pictures this morning from the Bandon area with cars covered in that red dust as well. And Mary in touch to say thanks to everybody for solving the mystery of the splatter-like stains on my car this morning. I was blaming my husband for driving it through a muddy field. <laughs> And that's from Mary in the Ballyhay and Charnival area. So hello to you, Mary. No, your husband wasn't in a muddy field. Uh, it uh, was from the skies uh, above us and originating from the Sahara. But thank you, Mary, in the Ballyhay, Charnival area. Just to go back to road safety for a moment. And this is an email that came in yesterday afternoon from Nora. And Nora says, I have tried to highlight this issue many times. And it's the issue of road markings in rural roads. It's becoming a big problem. Roads that are very busy with white lines eroded, cat's eyes dead are not existent, no roadside reflectors, for example, the road from Balgooli into Kinsale, it's a death trap, says Nora, especially in the dark and in bad weather. Is anyone ever going to do anything about the state of our rural roads? Nora, an email to Cork Today at c103.ie and Nora has a point on that. Uh, I mean, at night time, if you don't have cat's eyes, if you don't have lines on the road, if you don't know the area you're driving in, it can be particularly dangerous. So Nora has a point there. A number of local councillors have been in touch with us. It's something we don't get to it before the 
uh, end of the show today. We will get to it on tomorrow's show, but it is something that people want to, while we are talking about speed and reducing speed and behaviour, our roads as well, uh, many feel have to play a factor in road safety. We're discussing the environment uh, very shortly on the show, and this is how the government has been given a C-plus by the Friends of the Earth for their progress on climate issues. Connor, uh, though, feels uh, the government is only dragging its legs when it comes to climate change. When you consider we had 500 pristine Irish rivers 30 years ago. Today, only 20 remain. Business as usual is not an option anymore, says Connor. If it was not for the EU directives imposed by the European courts, we here in Ireland will be living in this country in a slurry tank, uh, feels Connor, because uh, he feels the government is still dragging their legs when it comes to uh, the issue of climate change. Discussing that very shortly. And uh, this came into us yesterday and so busy on the show yesterday, we didn't get to this. And it was somebody asking... uh, if we could put it out there about buying tickets for the National Planning Championships uh, this month. And they were on their phone Saturday, but they can only buy them. Uh, as you know, many people are buying them online. Now, you can still go to the gates for cash. I'll tell you more about that in a while. But many are buying online. But it doesn't seem to be giving this person any reduction for students. There seems to be uh, only two categories. And they were asking, does anybody know about that? We did check that out online yesterday. And you're right. Yesterday, uh, there was only one option. And we had calls this morning when I mentioned it earlier. Uh, and we were wondering, well, how did that all change? Well, I've got online now there again, and I can tell you it has changed. So yesterday, uh, and in, I'm sure Saturday when you were looking at this as well, there was only one option for adults. And I couldn't find any other option. But there is four options this morning on uh, the mpa.ie uh, site. If you want to go to the National Plowing Championships and purchase tickets, they give an option now for secondary school students for C- Senior citizens, so there is a reduction for those for both of those. Uh, the normal ticket, uh, adult ticket, is twenty five euros, and then the students and senior senior citizens tickets, uh, depending on the day you want to go, they're all twenty euros. Uh, so you can book those now online. So while it wasn't there. I don't know why it wasn't there, but it wasn't there yesterday or across the weekend. It is there now today. Uh, Just did a a double check there for you. And we got a number of calls as well from people uh, who said they have purchased those tickets. So try again and it should be on your uh, website today. Uh, But while we touch on the National Plowing Championships, they are out again this morning defending a hike at the gate for ticket prices at this month's championships. Because when you can buy them there, as we mentioned, for €25 for an adult, if you turn up at the gate and you want to spend cash, you'll be charged 30 euro and the National Plumbing Association they're warning visitors that they may not even be able to buy tickets on the gate and you could end up being stuck in the car parks for hours if you were turned away now the reason this is the cash tickets will only go on sale at the gate on the day and we've been told the reason we actually had Anne-Marie McHugh on with us um, a number of weeks ago explaining all of this and the reason it's all down to the safety and they need to know how many people will actually be physically within the grounds and that's why they're sending them online because they then can know how many people will be inside so if there's 5,000 people have purchased those tickets for let's say Wednesday well then they know they're full, let's say, for Wednesday. Now, they have uh, tried really hard to work around this. And if there is surplus tickets available on the day, well, then you can go up, pay your cash and get in. You don't have to go online, but you will be paying €30 Euros on the gate. That's if they are not sold out for a particular day. If they are sold out, you could be waiting uh, to get in and you could be waiting at the car park because there obviously is one-way systems in and out. So you could be there a long, long while. So while they encourage everybody to go online, if you want to pay by cash and you want to turn up on the day, beware, it will cost you €30, Euro, but also if they're full, 
you might not get in and you could be stuck in the car park just a word of warning from the National Plowing Championships not sure how people feel on that uh, I'm sure we'll have a commentary later in the programme but your views are welcome on any of those issues we're discussing you can always email us across the programme if there's something you want to raise Cork today at c103.ie C103 Jobs an experienced diesel mechanic is wanted in the Boherbui area to work on 4x4s and light commercials. It's a full or indeed a part-time position. And you can call 0862565791 for further details. A part-time and full-time hairstylists are wanted in McCroom. You can email your CV to lavenderhairmacroom at gmail.com. And a part-time childminder is wanted in the Kamhola area near Bantry. You can phone Caroline on 086 You'll find all these details and more job opportunities. They're online right now at c103.ie forward slash job. Court today on C103. The government has been given a C-plus grade for progress on climate issues. Independent experts say moderate progress has been made on the government's promises around climate and the environment. This year's results was a slight improvement on last year's C-grade. And Dr. Cara Augustenberg, who's chair of the assessment panel who worked on this report with Friends of the Earth joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Cara. Thanks so much. And thanks for joining us. I suppose it is an improvement, but it's still not an A grade. Uh, first of all, just to give a bit of background, how do you gather the information for this data for the report to give an assessment on climate issues? And what do you look at? It's actually an enormous uh, process that takes pretty much all of my summer and I've been doing it over the last three years with a, a team of UCD students. So uh, the government's program for government, which is their their promises to the people of Ireland that they agreed to in 2020, have about 300 environmental commitments in them. So these are the things they said they would do around environment and we've divided those into nine categories, including things like climate and biodiversity and water and air quality. Uh, and, and so what we've done is we've created this compendium of all the different commitments and every year uh, our UCD students go and do a big stakeholder consultation and a lot of research uh, to look at what, what the status is of each of these commitments. How far along have they progressed? And, and if they have finished, what was the outcome? And are stakeholders across all of society happy with those outcomes? So uh, they talk to over 40 people in civil society, people within government, uh, journalists, uh, and got information from over 80 people to, to, to complete this year's compendium. So it's an 85-page document that's available on the Friends of the Earth website. And then that compendium is given to three academic judges, including myself, and we're very used to grading students. So actually grading the government on, on their progress in each of these areas uh, is not that hard for us. And, and it's interesting, we do our grading separately, but when we come together to reach consensus, usually we're only within half a point of each other in each category. Oh, that's interesting. One of those categories is transport and we've been discussing our roads and road safety a lot on the show uh, this morning. Many feel that there's a lot more to do in terms of public transport. So many people would love to get a bus or a train to work. Uh, Why so many can, a lot can't because the facility isn't there for them. You may have a train going to a certain town but could be stopping five or ten minutes away from a workplace whereby there could easily be a train station built next to the workplace. That's something that really needs to be worked on if they wish for people to go and use public transport, isn't it? 
Yeah, and, and definitely that is part of their commitments in the program for government. So we've been monitoring how they're progressing those commitments over the last three years. And the first year we gave them six and a half out of ten in transport. And then last year they went up to seven. They were making a, a bit more progress. Uh, and then this year back down to six and a half uh, because what we're finding is even though the government is actually willing to spend quite a bit of money on active and public transport infrastructure, far more than any government uh, prior to this one, what we're finding is the local authorities aren't spending it. So it's, it's the underspend. It's one thing to give the money, but actually in, in order to make things, these things happen, we have to see it spent. So there's been delays in a lot of the active transport infrastructure that has been committed to by the government. There's also been delays in, in bus corridors due to planning. Uh, but on the positive side, we have seen improvements in terms of um, they've looked at speed limits and reducing transport fares. They've improved uh, local link, regional connectivity of buses a lot more. And that's been noticeable across Ireland. Uh, So there have been a few good things, but they're definitely slowing down in terms of implementation because of these logjams around planning and local issues. And would you be surprised at that, considering we have a Green government party, uh, that they haven't made more progress on this? Um, Well, I think we have one party that's that's very much focused on this. And if you look at... uh, made, it tends to be in the areas that are led by a Green Minister. It's and maybe to some extent um, where you can see that they're not necessarily prioritizing environment to the same extent. Obviously, we that probably doesn't come as a surprise to your listeners, but um, that's where we're seeing it. And also, anytime there's an issue with uh, cross-departmental collaborations, where you have two government departments that are supposed to work with each other to make something happen, that's where we see uh, the most delays in, ter- in terms of progress. You mentioned there about water pollution into our rivers and lakes, still not tackled. Many are saying this morning when I mentioned you were joining us regarding raw sewerage flowing into coastal waters of many areas of Cork. Uh, that's something that really needs to be looked at into the future. I know they got a, an extra mark in this year on that, a 5 out of 10, but still uh, not enough when we're trying to do our best for the environment and indeed uh, for our marine life. Yeah, we look at water and marine uh, together, and so this year they did get a 5 out of 10, but that was largely uh, due to the progress they've made on marine uh, marine issues, so marine protected areas and uh, development of, of marine of marine regulatory authority. Um, but unfortunately, in drinking water and wastewater, we've seen them uh, holding at 4 out of 10, actually, for the last two years. And uh, what we have seen that's positive is a, an increased spending in Ishka Aran, what was Irish water, and, and certainly our infrastructure regarding leaking pipes has been improving dramatically since uh, Ishka Aran was formed. Uh, but you're right, we are seeing declining water quality, and the EPA has attributed that to partially raw sewage, but also due to agricultural intensification and nutrient pollution associated with that. Uh, and that's another one where that interdepartmental thing really comes into play, because unless we have the Department of Agriculture working with uh, the water area and, and with the Environmental Protection Agency, then uh, we're not going to be successful. And, and at this stage, we really feel like they've ignored water quality so much that they are in danger of locking in this deterioration for the remainder of their government. So we don't see that issue getting better unless they really double down on efforts. And linking in there with the nitrates, and you mentioned about the, the water qualities, agriculture and indeed forestry uh, didn't really perform so well in this year's report. No change from last year. Many farmers who listen to us feel that they get a bad rep about the climate change because many farmers are willing to change uh, towards a better environment, but they feel their sector is 
is always given the blame or always looked on as if they're not doing anything while they are. Um, why did agriculture and indeed forestry not perform so well? Yeah, I think you've nailed it there when you say that farmers are willing to change. Uh, the big issue with agriculture is that farmers aren't being giving, given offerings to really make the changes that we need to reduce emissions in that sector. So uh, this area has consistently gotten four out of ten marks in all three report cards uh, that we've issued over the last three years. And, and we've at this stage said they are flirting with failure for the next one. Uh, there's, there's very little ambition in the government's commitments on agriculture with related to with relation to sustainability. Uh, the one they probably put the most effort into is in research and development on feed additives for livestock. So to to feed uh, cows something that gets them to reduce emissions, which is still very much an R&D phase. Uh, and, and unfortunately, in terms of real offerings that would actually reduce emissions, things we could pay farmers to do instead of putting them under in pressure to keep intensifying uh, livestock farming, the government has been extremely slow to, to offer scalable solutions. And from the agricultural side of things, uh, air quality is something also we get a lot of calls on here. People say, you know, while we're all doing our bit, they look to the skies, they see the planes overhead, they say, look at the pollution that they are causing uh, across the world with huge planes and you can see the jet stream after them. Um, Greenhouse gas pollution, I mean, did that reduce at all? Or what is our situation with air quality? And also for those who are living in towns, maybe don't have a bypass and, you know, the, the, the readings for air quality in that area of a city or town can always be quite poor. Yeah, air quality is one where the government has been uh, consistent and I would say a relatively good performer in this category. They only have five commitments in the program for government related to air quality. That's exclusive of greenhouse gas emissions, which we treat as a climate problem uh, rather than a health problem. So in air quality, they did commit to have a, a smoky fuels ban, and they were the first government that was successful in doing that in spite of a lot of political opposition. And, and when you think back, even Mary Harney's government tried to implement that and was unsuccessful. So I think that's something they can very be very proud of. They've also implemented a national air quality uh, monitoring system. So, so they had some really big ideas that they actually successfully put through, and, and they've consistently gotten 7 out of 10 in that area um, for the last three years. They, they have some issues around maintenance of the monitoring network and, and some other things that doesn't get them into the... And we avoid some premature deaths, so it's worth it in their mind to prioritize that. And then from the, the pollution side of things, I suppose staying with that in some regards, uh, the effect that has on our climate. Uh, no change also this year when you look at the climate and, and the category marking from last year. Why is that? Many feel maybe things have got worse with our climate uh, when you look across the world, the way things were or things are this summer. Yeah, um, it's a tough one with climate because a lot of the, the things in that category are around govern governance and setting the rules of the game. So in the first year, they committed to amend the climate legislation to to uh, make it more robust and have legally binding targets, and they were very successful in that. So they got uh, 7.5 out of 10 that year for for delivering uh, on that legislation. But unfortunately, it took so long to deliver on that and set these what they call the sectoral emission ceilings, so to figure out... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Which sectors are, are allowed to emit how much po- carbon pollution? Um, and because that was so slow, they're now really falling behind on those kind of bigger climate governance issues. And so their score has stayed at six out of ten for the the last two years. And and I think that that that's going to continually haunt them. That it took so long for them to divide the emissions among the relevant sectors that now everything is slowed down. And really, when we think about it, they probably only have another year and a half left uh, to get things done. And and they're probably moving into kind of electioneering and campaigning mode. So our big fear right now is is that they'll take the foot off the accelerator and and that they will not prioritize these environmental commitments that they've made to the people of Ireland because they're busy prioritizing their own careers. And finally, I know they're marking the same as the, as last year. And this is something I thought maybe they would have done better on is the biodiversity, because many councils have done a lot of work on this in urban areas to boost biodiversity. And we can see in our rural areas, I mean, you have so many fields and ditches that are thriving in some areas with biodiversity. But it's still uh, not a great marking here for Ireland on this. Yeah, we, we've, we've seen interesting developments in biodiversity. They started out in their first year, we gave them a 4.5 out of 10. They, they really had no progress in biodiversity. And then um, Malcolm Noonan, the junior minister, came on stream and, and really started prioritizing a lot more funding, went to National Parks and Wildlife. Uh, this year, they finally completed this Citizens' Assembly on Biodiversity, which I think they were probably waiting for that and waiting for the Citizens' Assembly to develop their recommendations before they progressed a lot of their commitments in biodiversity. Uh, so in that sense, it's been it's been positive. Um, on the flip side, they also have a commitment to really raise education and awareness around biodiversity, both in, in primary and secondary schools and also in adult uh, education, uh, general public education. And, and that's where they've really fallen down. And we haven't seen any progress in that area. So, you know, if we are going to be successful in fighting this this biodiversity crisis, we really need to educate people on, on why we have to change and why we have to do things differently. Uh, and, and that really can't happen soon enough if we're going to be successful. And overall, were you happy with the way the government and indeed Ireland is going when we look at the changing nature of our climate and indeed uh, of uh, climate change and, and the way the world is dealing with this from an Irish perspective? Was it a positive report? I mean, it was a higher rating than last year, but from your own point of view? Well, we can't say there's any cause for celebration with a C-plus grade, but but there's still reasons to be hopeful in the sense that what you can see when you look at how much has progressed in the last three years is that certainly once these uh, commitments have been implemented, you know, the money has been spent, and I, I think in the next year or two we will really start to see some changes on the ground that affect how we live our day-to-day lives and, and the ability for us as individuals to live more sustainably. I mean, certainly I've, I've lived in this country for 20 years, and when I first moved here, there were no greenways, there were no cycle lanes anywhere near me. Uh, there, there, it was really hard. There wasn't even curbside recycling for me to be able to be a sustainable citizen. Uh, but actually now there, there are a lot of those 
those things, and I can certainly see from, from reading the progress made in this government that there will be more of those kind of things. Will they be enough to fight the climate crisis and to fight the biodiversity crisis uh, and improve water quality? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it will be enough because the situation is so urgent, uh, but there's certainly a lot more, and, and that does give me a bit of hope. Well, it's an interesting read and a lot of work went in there from your students within the various colleges. For yourself, though, uh, thanks for joining us this morning on this. Take care. Dr. Cara Ostenberg, who's chair of the assessment panel, who commissioned that report with Friends of the Earth, looking at how Ireland performs and indeed the government performs on climate issues, a C plus this year for the government. Lines open 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. On the way, we're going to hear about a Bell restoration project in Donnerail. Cork today on C103. The historic bells at St. Mary's Church in Donnerail will ring out again after undergoing major refurbishment and restoration. Linda Dean joins me with this from Don Rail this morning. Good morning to you, Linda. Good morning, JP. And thanks for joining us. Now, you and the team there have been working hard to restore these bells. I mean, just take us back, first of all, because there's a lot of history uh, behind the bells and indeed the church. I believe they were presented to the church there in Don Rail in the 1800s. That's correct. Um, the church was originally built in 1633 by the St. Ledger family. And we have the original bell, which was dedicated to the church in 1636 and repaired again in 1700. And that all has its inscription on it. And that sits in the porch. But the bells that we have now were presented to the church by Lady Castletown in memory of her father. He's St. Ledger. In 18. 18- 90, they were presented to the church. They were cast in 1889 um, and they were to the foundry in London, Taylor's foundry, in, sorry, in, in Lancashire. Um, this cast the bells first. So the bells are in the bell since 1890, which is 134 years ago now, um, and have rung out over the years. There's six bells in the belfry. And it takes us to ring them. So, obviously, over that length of time, they needed to be restored and they'd done well. When did the bells stop ringing or when did you realise work was needed on them? Last year, the, there was an engineering company, a bell engineering company, who would come and ex- in, inspect the bells on the base, the regular kind of basis, came and they had been kind of teeing us up over a good number of years that there was it was going to come to the stage where we were going to have to do a repair job on them. And during last year, that came. The last time we rang them was on New Year's Eve in 2022. And they were taken out of the Belfry at the end of January 2023. And they went over to Matthew Higby and Company Engineering Bell Engineers in in England to be repaired and restored. Um, The the bells hang on a frame in the belfry and all that frame is still in the belfry. It's made of timber and then there's parts of it are steel as well where the bells hang, but the actual frame itself is timber and that's all perfect as it was when it was put in 134 years ago. But the the workings of the bells, the, each bell is, um, there's the, a the bell wheel which the rope goes around and the woodworm had detected the size of that and so forth, so it was possible the rope would come off. So that all had to be taken out and repaired. 
they have kept the original spokes of the wheel but just repaired the outside so that basically they're still the same best part of it. Um, the original bells were on a what they would have called a timber headstock which is where the bearings that they turn on were um, and some of those headstocks had cracked and were becoming unsafe um, so they have all been replaced and they've put in new what are now known as ball bearings they're a sealed bearing so these will ring for hundreds of years again now A lot of work so apart from the bells to be restored the actual area where they are in the church as well in the tower and because that's of such historic significance I presume was that work done by the same company or did you bring someone else and then to do that and, and make sure everything was done that they wouldn't cause any damage to a very historic building? It is the same company have done all the work they would Everything Everything they would be that that's their field of expertise. They would do um, bell repair jobs and and new bell installations all over the world. And um, then obviously you mentioned there the bells uh, stopped ringing on New Year's Eve in twenty twenty two. How often would you have rung them out? You're going back over the years when we had lots of people that were bell ringers. They would have rung every Sunday morning and would have rung for any special occasions for Harvest Thanksgiving services and car services, weddings. We would have rung them for funerals for people where you would put a muffle on one side of the bell so you get a different sound out of it. Um, so, yeah, I suppose bell ringers have got more scarce, so we're hoping to recruit new bell ringers now. Um, and anybody that comes to the church to see them, we have a list. We have a, a clipboard that you can put your name on if you would like to learn how to ring the bells. Because even though they're in the Church of Ireland church, they're there for the community. Um, and the community of Donrail over the years always loved to hear them ringing. And, you know, people that have come to see us over the last few days have said how lovely it is to always hear them ringing, especially on New Year's Eve. People would come outside their houses and for several miles around on rail, depending on what way the wind was blowing or how still or windy it was, they could be heard nearly as far as Boschman's. Yeah, and it's a beautiful sound, isn't it, Linda? That sound of, of bell ringing from a church. I know St. Peter's and Bandon as well. You may be aware of them. They, yeah. they they do it on New Year's Eve and they do it at various times as well across the year. And it's just beautiful. The bells ring out. You can hear them right across. And not only the town of Bandon, but like you said, depending on how the, the wind goes, you can hear them right across the other areas outside of Bandon. And it is, it's a nice sound because it's so scarce these days and it's an organic sound. And you mentioned about bell ringers I mean are, do you are you involved yourself do you ring those bells yes I am a campanologist Campan- campanology is the art of bell ringing and a campanologist is a bell ringer so myself and my husband and my two sons all ring um, and we a good share of the families in the church and, and going back over the years families in the church have all been involved in it as well as some of the people from the community um, but we would really like to get more people involved. And is it hard, though, to learn to uh, ring those bells, Linda? It takes a while, yeah. And and some people pick it up far easier than others. It's, when you know how to ring, it's not hard to do. But there is a lot of learning in it. And you know the way some people would be musical and if they pick up an instrument to play, they may find it easier than someone who may not be musical. Does that play a part? Yes, it does. And oh. I'm not at all musical. Okay. So 
I have to play by sight, which means I have to be watching the bell ropes around the room. When we'd start ringing first, the bells would ring one, two, three, four, five, six in order around the room and each bell is coming in just slightly one after the other, which gives you the sound. And then to change the tune, somebody would would call the change, what we would say call changes. So you'd change the order that the bells are ringing in and that changes the tune. So for the likes of me that's not a bit musical, I have to be listening to what I'm told to do and watching where I need to fall in. But you are recruiting and open to bell ringers joining you, you there in Donorell. So it's a case of you train them up and you, you show them how it's all done. Uh, how long can it take, though, to become a bell ringer, whereby you're a part of the group then that will ring those bells on, on whenever day you start ringing them? Um, it it'd probably take a couple of months before mm. you'd be um, proficient enough to, to be able to ring with the group. Um, but yeah, once you it's like riding a bicycle then. Once you have learned how to do it, it stays with you. And the bells at the moment themselves, they're on public display so people can go in and see them in Donorella. They're in, on display until Wednesday, isn't it, in the afternoons and evening? That's correct. Now, as as this evening and, and tomorrow, we may not have all six bells because the, the engineers are working and getting them in. So as they need to get the next bell up, there'll be one less there. But, but yeah, at the moment, all six are there and maybe tonight there might be only five. But you still see the the, the setup and then what the bells look like, and we have lots of memorabilia as well in connection with bell ringing, and we have all the different bell parts um, on display in the church, and there's a complimentary cup of tea and coffee for anybody that comes to see us. We, we it, you know, it, we had a, we were open last night, and people were just enthralled with seeing the the bells and how they worked and. It is. It's, it's it's interesting, but also the history attached to, to the church and the bells is is fascinating as well. And all of this, while it's going on there, it does cost money. And because of that, you've set up an I donate page to deal with these costs to get the bells back ringing. We did indeed, and we have done um, we've done a number of fundraisers. And at the moment, we're running a raffle in conjunction with um, having the bells on display, and the raffle will run for a little bit. And we have been asking local businesses and so forth if they'd like to support us and we have to say people are very generous um, but yes we do need to raise probably another 20,000 or so to, it, it just cost us somewhere in the region 60,000 55 to 60,000 to do the job and um, so yeah it's a big undertaking it is a huge undertaking and when everything is completed and the bells are back in the tower and all installed properly when can people in that area expect to hear the sounds of the bells again ring across the Donorell and indeed further afield there hopefully in the next couple of weeks oh that's good I, I just can't give you an exact date at the moment but our, our harvest thanksgiving service in the church is on the 15th of October and we hope it, they'll definitely be ringing by then. Um, but hopefully, maybe even by the ne- end of next week. Well, that's great. I mean, it's, it's a great tradition that is continuing on uh, for you there in Donrell. I know other areas, uh, as I mentioned, St. Peter's and Bandon as well do it. Uh, so it's great that, that it's continuing because mainly it's the Church of Ireland churches you hear those kind of bell ringing from. Um, not so much Catholic or, or Methodist, but mainly Church of Ireland, isn't it, over the years? The- Yes, but there are um, certainly the, there's the cathedral in 
Limerick. There's two cathedrals in Limerick, a Roman Catholic and the Church of Ireland, and they both have rings of bells. Oh, do they? Yeah, so oh. there, there are lots. There are, it isn't solely a Church of Ireland thing at all. Um, and certainly we would love to have anybody from the community come and join us. Yeah, and it's open to everybody. So no matter what faith you were, uh, head along there to, and that applies for all uh, bell ringers across all the churches that, that, that do this, that they'd welcome everybody to come along. So the same there at St. Mary's Church of Ireland in Donwell. If you would fancy to becoming a bell ringer, they will train you up, but also to go along and see the works there. Uh, best of luck, Linda. It is a fascinating story and indeed it's great to keep uh, the art of bell ringing alive. So well done to you and best of luck to everybody there uh, with what you're doing over the next few weeks. Thank you. And I, I just say, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see the bells because they haven't been out for 134 years and hopefully we'll never ever again see them in our lifetime. So, go, 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 exactly. So go and see them. You don't have to be going through all that again. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so make your way to Donorell. For the moment, Linda, thanks for joining us this morning. Best of luck there. And you can view those newly restored bills at St. Mary's Church in Donorell. And they'll ring out again over the next few weeks. Cork today until 1. JP with you. And Bernie standing by taking your comments on the phone right now. 0818 103 103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 an amount of commentary in regarding road safety and what we were discussing earlier in the programme and what is right and what is wrong when it comes to our roads. I'll get to those shortly, but also a number of people have contacted us over the last while on the cost of going on a staycation here in Ireland and the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation, well, they uh, were meeting and they, uh, for themselves anyhow, there's no scientific proof on this, but they feel early indications point to staycations being significantly down this summer. And again, they don't have any official stats, but the figures for outbound travel point to more and more Irish people who were going holidaying abroad. And a lot of this is because of high hotel prices with a severe lack of accommodation in many parts of the country. They are said to be key factors. So we went out on the streets and we spoke to these people uh, who did feel that it's too expensive here in Ireland to holiday at home and why many have chosen to go abroad because it's cheaper. Here's what they said. Completely put off by prices. It would cost us £1,000 to go to Galway for a couple of nights. That was our first choice. So we got a weekend in in Manchester. Three nights cheap. No, it's too expensive to stay here. So we went to Amsterdam. We went to Euro Disney. We went to Blackpool. Much cheaper. Yeah, unless we stay with relations down the west. No, I wouldn't be going to a hotel. I just, my principals wouldn't let me pay the price. Scandalous. No one will stay in Ireland. Scandalous prices. So what we do is now you're better off going abroad. So there are people we heard from on the streets who have simply told us uh, that it's too expensive to holiday in Ireland and interesting to hear those who have gone to uh, the UK to the likes of Blackpool and Manchester because I have friends who live in those locations and they feel things have got more expensive there and people who have gone there holidaying over the last uh, three to four months while it seemed to be still cheaper than Ireland uh, prices they felt had increased in the UK but uh, from those we spoke to it seemingly still is cheaper. Anyhow, have you noticed that 
why you would like to staycate in Ireland, uh, that sometimes it can be cheaper to go to the UK or indeed uh, or elsewhere in Europe. Your views are welcome on that. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or indeed email corktoday at c103.ie. Back to the issue of road safety and National Slow Down Day, which finished at 7am this morning. And this is on the back now of the uh, Minister for Justice, Helen McAtee, who is uh, more or less saying now we're going to see more speed vans on our roads and indeed a hike uh, for motorists when it comes to penalty points. On that, uh, somebody on text saying, uh, Hi JP, I drove 317 kilometres yesterday in Cork and Kerry without seeing one Garda. So where was the clampdown? Uh, that person is asking and uh, speaking to callers earlier as well uh, and you would have heard them themselves on the air saying that they were out and about in various parts of Cork yesterday and they had not seen uh, any guarded checkpoints visible to them. And that's not to say they weren't there because they obviously were when we got the stats from Kilworth on the M8 and also in the Rochestown area. So they were obviously out and about, but obviously not enough of them for them to be seen by the majority of people listening. But at the same time, I was out and about yesterday and speed vans, yes, there was speed vans on the roadway. Uh, but guard at checkpoints, I did not come across one yesterday on my journey to and from the studio and indeed uh, around the city yesterday evening. Uh, thank you for your text. Also, on uh, something else that came up earlier on and this person on text says I don't know why you keep talking about all new cars needing limiters installed but first of all if you were listening it's not me it's the calls and comments coming into us and people are sending in their ideas and opinions on that and everybody is entitled to their opinion so it's it's me relaying what is coming into us here anyhow this person is going on to say that all new cars since July last year have an intelligent speed assistant ISA system them installed, which includes limiters, and many new cars have this for the last few years, and they have had this technology installed in the car. And basically, what this intelligent speed assistance system is, it's an alert, uh, so you can set the speed on your vehicle and once you hit that speed then uh, the, there'll be a noise I suppose out of your car like you would if you left the lights on and you get out of the car and it beeps telling you your lights are left on or your keys are in the ignition or something like that or maybe something flashes up as well in front of you so it's something like that anyhow depending on the make of car you have uh, would happen but it also would alert you that you've gone over a certain speed limit and yes some of the newer cars from maybe uh, 2018 onwards would have this you can set it yourself or if you're not sure I'm sure the garage would show you how to do so and they are there so it is in the newer cars um, and every make and model is different but yeah you're right they are there uh, so while people are, are are saying something should be fitted to cars, uh, many have this installed in a certain way. Technology has improved uh, that way. Thank you for your text. Also, uh, Maura is saying, JP, what's the point in making the roads better? All they are doing this way is improving the runways. Speed is gone out of control in Ireland, says Maura. And most drivers only seem to know one part of the car, the accelerator. Ask most of them to reverse. Even in the big yokes they drive, they have no clue, uh, says Maura on WhatsApp and Dee uh, is texting in saying that she was driving from West Cork to the city on Sunday evening and coming up to the dual carriageway on the way to the viaduct lights were or oncoming motorists were flashing the lights to warn people that there was a speed van up the road. Now she had thought this was illegal and if people aren't caught and sanctioned for their dangerous excessive speeds then how will they learn? And well it is actually if you were caught flashing and alerting someone to a speed van or a guard at checkpoint 
um, illegal I assume it is it, it, you can be done for it I know that I'm not just sure if it's illegal or not I suppose it is if you can be done for it uh, but you, yeah you, you can be uh, certainly uh, prosecuted for that you're not meant to alert people of a guard checkpoint or indeed of a speed van but you do see it on the roads and you do see people uh, flashing oncoming cars to let them know there is a speed van ahead it does happen but yeah it, it is illegal because you, you can be caught for that uh, on how it is illegal in the terms and conditions I'd have to look that up but uh, I do know you, people should not be doing it but they do and on the issue of walking on roadways uh, this person saying I think walking onto oncoming traffic can be very dangerous uh, well we're talking about cars walking where it's safe is also an issue and some uh, those pedestrians on our roads don't do that uh, is uh, a point being made on WhatsApp Michael is in your uh, Michael feels there are big problems on the N25 and this is with the traffic backlogs that we hear about every single day and I suppose Michael a lot of this is to do with the population increase in East Cork so many people who uh, can't afford a house in the city and also as the city is uh, sprawling outwards now towards uh, Carrick Tool and Middleton as the city grows uh, Michael is making the point that we need a train line from Middleton to Yall. it would take a lot of the traffic off the N25 instead of spending 23 million euros on a greenway which is a complete waste of taxpayers money uh, feels Michael in Yall. I think many would agree with you on that not too sure if you can have both together a greenway and a train line because I know the greenway is going on uh, the old train tracks uh, that ran from Middleton to Yall. so uh, I presume that you couldn't have both there in one location or could you uh, decide to build a greenway elsewhere anyhow Michael doesn't agree and that's only going to get worse as more and more people and I know anybody buying a house at the moment seems to be purchasing in the Middleton area or indeed the Watergrass Hill area uh, near the area that is growing hugely when it comes to a population boost for those uh, regions but certainly uh, we hear it every morning in our traffic reports with Can Parish the traffic just building up more and more on that section of dual carriageway from Middleton back towards Yall and further afield Joe is in Kilmallock and remaining with the issue of speed he feels, you know the speed signs, uh, that if you're driving into a, a village or a town or even a, a suburb in the city and they tell you if you are going over the limit in that area, he feels those speed signs should be uh, set up with cameras. So a camera should be on top of this speed sign. That will then, first of all, show that you're speeding but also you'll be caught for speeding if you were over the limit and I presume a picture or something sent back like they do with these speed cameras is that a good idea for those that speed through uh, villages, towns and indeed suburbs in the city a good idea from Joe and Kilmallock to reduce our speed uh, thank you Joe some of your calls and calls uh, comments in relation to road safety we have received this morning and then we also spoke earlier uh, regarding how the government was given a C-plus grade for progress on climate issues. The report issued from the Friends of the Earth. And when we discussed that, a lot of comments in. First of all, this is from Michael in Castletown Bear. Uh, Michael's view on this, he says, Hi JP, every time you turn on radio or a TV, you will hear a reference to climate change and more promotion for the Greens. The Greens have more damage done to this country than I can explain in an average text. Their aim is to wipe out farming and agriculture in this country and they are being allowed to do it. A pretty good job done so far, says Michael. Uh, but Michael's information to the Taoiseach is to call a general election sooner 
rather than later with the idea of getting rid of the Greens because uh, he feels they have totally lost our identity as an agricultural country and reclaim the farming vote that Fine Gael have lost. Michael is making the point of the size of Ireland when it comes to the world terms. He says that we are uh, like a dot or a full stop sign made by a biro on an A1 sheet of paper. That is how insignificant we are regarding climate change, says Michael. The Greens have ran riot in this government, electric cars, what mother can afford to buy them? They struggle to buy food for their children. And they have blocked motorways and roads improvements. No cutting of road hedges with briars shaking hands. Yet people are getting killed every day on our roads because of the conditions. Uh, Michael goes on to say they have penalised us on the price of petrol and diesel. So Michael said, if I could, I would say to Leo, pull the plug in time because it's nearly too late and you will be rewarded for having the courage to do so. So show leadership, says Michael in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And then uh, this is tying in with our discussion on climate, but also an issue Barry had on the news and why uh, a lot of organisations are out at the moment looking and putting in their speak for the budget 2024 being held uh, at the end. Uh, it's next month, isn't it? It's been held. Uh, and this is where everybody is calling on uh, an increase in the sectors that they are looking after. Uh, but a person here on WhatsApp said it's really sad to hear uh, how people are struggling to make ends meet. And I heard on your latest news bulletin there and people looking for an extra €50 Euros on the pension in the budget. Uh, it again is like the haves and the have-not in this country. It's OK if you were on thousands, but it's very sad to think how when you were old and you were in this struggling position and you were relying on the state pension, how can this government or indeed any government think that this is OK when a person is in old age? It's very hard to be living uh, on a limited budget as you get older. Uh, this person is a grandparent, so those TDs must have gr- seen and met grandparents and seen them struggle or maybe they won't realise until they are old themselves. But that person uh, just comparing everything we're talking about this morning and then hearing that on the news and people trying to make ends meet and looking for just 50 euros extra on a budget when everything is increasing. Now, something else we spoke about this morning, this was the art of bell ringing, coming back to St. Mary's Church in Donnerwell. And I was mentioning areas of Cork where bells do ring out. And uh, we had St. Mary's in Donnerwell, who we spoke with and uh, fantastic work going on there. And they'll be ringing out across Donnerwell and elsewhere over the next few weeks. But also... I mentioned St. Peter's in Bandon who have fabulous bell ringers and at various times of the year you will hear uh, the bells ringing out from St. Peter's right across Bandon and indeed beyond uh, the town of Bandon but also a number of people in touch with me to tell me that there is other areas of Cork. For example, hello to everybody in Dumanway and yes, Dumanway have uh, the bells ringing as well and beautifully done so and this person says we had them in Dunmanway. They ring every Sunday morning and you would hear them the odd evening too. It is beautiful to hear them all over over the town and yes I agree it's a beautiful sound to hear that and especially on a summer's evening to hear those bells ringing uh, nothing better than that and Drumahan uh, the bells also we have them here in Drumahan as well they are so nice to hear from Sharon who lives in Drumahan so hello to you so bell ringing very popular right across Cork lines open 0818 103 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 on the way shortly as we do on a Tuesday our regular councillor Joe Heffernan will join 
join us continuing our discussion of trauma and this week uh, trauma after a critical incident we'll speak with Joe very shortly The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie Cork Education and Training Board they're holding an information morning and it's going on from 10am to 1pm they're going on across North Cork this week in Mitchellstown in Fermoy in Mallow Mill Street and in Charnival and Shambani Moore Bingo goes ahead every Tuesday evening it's on again tonight at 8 o'clock in the Community Centre in Shambani Moore with the jackpot there at 2,400 euro And the Bobby Bear Memorial Concert will go ahead at St. Peter's Church in Bandon. It's going ahead this coming Friday at 7.30. All are welcome and donations will be collected on the night for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland and St. Peter's Church Organ Fund, which, of course, is an instrument that uh, Bobby himself would have played over the years. That's on uh, this coming Friday evening, St. Peter's Church in Bandon at 7.30. And a cat show will be held at Blarney Secondary School on this coming Sunday. It runs from 12 until 4.30 p.m. and cat lovers can go along and see so many varieties of cats in Blarney Secondary School on this coming Sunday. And Bingawa Harvest Festival Tractor and Car Run, that goes ahead on Sunday, September the 17th. It's at 11.30am it gets underway in Copine and they'll be supporting Marymount Hospice and Cancer Treatment at CUH and Breakthrough Cancer. And if you have an event you want to advertise, well you can send the details to us, email us, diary at c103.ie Cork today on C103 And still a lot of calls and comments coming in on road safety issues. I mentioned the speed cameras there and somebody's asking that they can ever understand why they are assigned telling people where the speed vans are located. They feel it defeats the purpose. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, the reason they have the speed signs up uh, saying there's a camera, you know, the picture of the camera they have in the signpost is they are looking for people in certain areas and certain roadways to slow down. So the benefit they feel is if there's a, a sign up saying there's a speed camera or could be a speed camera ahead that people will slow down. No, there may not be any speed camera there at that particular time, but the majority of people may slow down and that's the aim uh, from the, or for the speed cameras or was the aim initially for the speed cameras anyhow from the road safety authority. So that's why the signs are there and they're in a bit that people will slow on a certain stretch of road. Thank you for your text. And while we're speaking about roads uh, and stretches of roads and roads not being done and bad conditions, Finbar is in Mallow. He says he wants to give a shout out of praise to the workmen who are resurfacing the Park Road in Mallow at the moment. They are doing a fantastic job and it's great driving on a brand new road surface. So there you go from Finbar in Mallow. And then to the new section of the McCroom Bypass. I got a lot of calls about this over the last uh, few days. We didn't get a chance to get to it, but this is a warning for motorists. And I see now the Gardaí are also warning motorists. If you were travelling on the new section of the McCroom Bypass, the recently opened section from uh, Carrigafuca, which is of course west of McCroom uh, towards Tulane, uh, just east of Ballymakira. And you may have seen now there's new signage going up there. And the reason there's new signage is because a number of drivers have been warning us and warning us to tell drivers to be careful. Why? 
Deer. Yes, there's a lot of deer crossing the road at the moment. Uh, there's been a few collisions uh, involving deer and because it is a brand new road and because it's a brand new road surface and the speed limit is 100 kilometres, uh, people that are driving along and unfortunately uh, having an incident with the deer, uh, the car is uh, ending up in a bad uh, state of repair as of course is the poor deer. It is rushing season starting around now so deer are running back and forth and because this is a new road and the deer would have been in and around that area anyhow they're running across this road which of course now is full of traffic so just be extra careful the new section of the McCroom bypass to west of McCroom and just east of Ballymacura a deer crossing the road in particular at night and again the while the McCroom Gardaí and the Cork West Road Policing Unit are continuing to watch this and making sure that you know people are aware of the deer crossing uh, they can't be there all the time so just to take extra uh, care on that section of the road Gardaí in touch was just a warm people about that. Now, on the bell ringing, we mentioned a number of areas. Cove, of course, nearly forgot Cove. Couldn't forget Cove. Beautiful bells, of course, Maggie says in the cathedral in Cove. There is indeed, especially on a Sunday morning. It's beautiful, says Maggie, uh, listening to the bells ringing out and looking over Cork Harbour. And thanks to you there in Cove. Now, we were over the last week or so giving you a chance to head to France because it's a big occasion sporting-wise for Ireland. (laughs) Ireland v South Africa, Stade de France, September 23rd. Win the ultimate rugby experience on C103. And the call was made yesterday evening with Martina O'Donoghue on C103 Drive. And well done to Ashling Concanon. Ashling is heading off to Paris, enjoying the ultimate rugby experience with return flights, three nights in Paris and a gold category match tickets with hospitality uh, to see Ireland versus South Africa. Enjoy Ashling, well done and stay listening for more ways to win here at C103. Court today on C103. And just before we go to Joe Heffern, a number of calls and texts as well this morning to the programme. We didn't get to them, but this is just one from Dan, who says, JP, is it not outrageous for TV and radio in Ireland to be given publicity to the Thug Gilligan and that documentary and TV show that was on last night? And a number of other people have been in touch regarding that. And yes, it was the first part of a TV documentary that aired last night. It was on Virgin Television. And this was hours after John Gilligan walked free from a Spanish course, despite confessing to drugs and weapons charges. He was handed a fine and a suspended prison sentence in Spain. And uh, then last night, a documentary was shown on Virgin Television where the crime boss, John Gilligan, uh, said in this that he felt nothing about the murder of the journalist Veronica Geeran because he said her death and its quotas did not matter to him. Uh, People have mixed views on this. The three-part series is called Confessions of a Crime Boss and many feel that those involved are they making money off uh, this programme and why was this allowed to be aired and a number of callers this morning and indeed those on WhatsApp asking what about uh, the families of the those involved and who have been victims of what's happened uh, from this crime gang and also uh, Veronica Gearin's family uh, husband and brothers who uh, were aware of this but did not get involved in the documentary uh, and people saying it must be very upsetting for them to watch this on television well I don't know if they were watching it or not I did not watch it last night I didn't see it and um, many people saying they didn't they chose this morning not to watch uh, that particular TV show last night anyhow 
Some of your views on that, people just think it's outrageous uh, giving uh, that man airtime considering uh, what happened yesterday and what indeed happened over the last number of years. Thank you for your calls and comments on that. Now, uh, let's turn to Joe Heffernan, our regular councillor on the show from Boherboe. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, JP. And we continue on from last week. We were discussing trauma on the show last week, Joe, and we'll continue this week by looking at trauma after a critical incident. And I suppose it follows on from a lot of things that have made news over the last week or so. And Joe, nobody will tick all the boxes here, but the symptoms we're going to discuss after trauma, they uh, may be useful to some people and what they experience. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, uh, the aftermath of a trauma uh, the classic symptoms would be um, avoidance, intrusion, and hypervigilance. Now, what they mean basically is um, we'll say a person had an accident on a certain road. They might find it in their driving. They might go well out of their way to avoid that road and to uh, uh, choose a different route. Now, that's a simple um, uh, example of avoidance. Um, because uh, that same road would trigger old uh, anxiety um, about uh, memories and anxiety about what happened. Uh, Intrusion would be flashbacks, (coughs) excuse me, flashbacks in waking, or it could be nightmares in sleeping. Um, So that would be intrusive on one's life. And we see and that a lot from people, Joe, don't mm-hmm. we? From we, we hear that a lot from people, Joe, who over the years would have been involved in not only car accidents, but something happened in their life where they do tell about their experience of nightmares. And it can go on for years for someone. Absolutely. But I mean, uh, we would be saying in the ICISF, it does pass um, and uh, it gets less anyway. Yeah, the examples could be um, a shooting, a fire, um, um, an accident, a robbery, uh, an assault. Um, uh, It could be any of the above, uh, plus other um, experiences that would be uh, traumatic for the person. And the third one, avoidance, intrusion, and hypervigilance, more or less being on constant red alert. Um, Looking over one's shoulder, we'd say if there was a um, uh, say a, a, a purse snatch in a, on a certain street in a certain city. First of all, the street will probably be avoided. Secondly, there would be maybe flashbacks, and then there would be hypervigilance, like a person would be on on high alert um, when they would be um, uh, feeling that they were uh, vulnerable to such a thing uh, happening again. Or in the case of driving, it could be, you know, white knuckle on the steering wheel and um, uh, very high anxiety about the drive. So there would be the, the type of things that can happen. And we spoke last week about things to drive that could be helpful. But a person was asking me during the week, well, what would the signs be that a person would need to um, maybe to, would definitely talk about whether uh, with a professional person or to a trust with a trusted friend. Um, so, uh, how would those um, uh, symptoms show themselves? Well, uh, 
it could be, um, you know, uh, low self-esteem, remorse about what happened. I shouldn't have gone that way. Um, I shouldn't have been on that street late at night, or etc., etc. In other words, kind of blaming oneself for what had happened, even though that um, uh, the person had no control over what happened. So there would be fear and anxiety. Um, there would be a risk. Um, I've spoken with people who have been in these kind of situations. I remember particularly being um, talking with a bank staff after the bank had been raided. And, um, you know, uh, the the um, the symptoms that I am and will be describing uh, came up again and again. Withdrawal from others, just wanting to stay in one's own home and, you know, lock the door, feel safe, don't interact with the outside world, which, of course, causes um, all kinds of social uh, problems. Now, um, in a physical way, then, muscle tension um, leading to maybe headaches, um, you know, the, the phrase uptight didn't fall out of the sky. Uh, when a person is very anxious and when the um, upper uh, shoulder muscles are uh, tense and um, uh, that can cause uh, headaches and uh, uh, unpleasant uh, pains around that area. Um, another thing that came up quite a bit was extreme fatigue. A person just doesn't feel like going anywhere, doing anything, even the simplest tasks in the home um, keep getting put off and put off and put off. So would it be, um, Joe, like they're losing interest? Would that be a factor? It would indeed. Yeah. Not so much losing uh, interest as... Um, losing the motivation to do you. things that yeah. they would normally have done uh, maybe without thinking at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that would make yeah. sense, yeah. And if you're feeling that kind of lethargic feeling, you just have, as you say, motivation goes, but also you don't have the will to do something. It's not in you to do anything at all, even if it's just cleaning the house kind of thing. It can Absolutely. have a huge effect. Yeah. It might be making a cup of tea and a person just says, you know what, I won't bother. Um, uh, that kind of thing. Um, little things that need to be done to post that letter, to write that email, to, um, you know, to whatever, um, and a person just isn't um, motivated to do it, even though it would be quite a simple little thing to do. So that would be another um, example of uh, feelings after a trauma. Another one that would get spoken of quite a bit would be um, uh, tummy problems and uh, loss of appetite. person just doesn't feel like eating. And um, the advice going with that would be that even if a person doesn't feel like it, um, to eat healthily, um, even if the portions are a little bit less, but not to neglect one's, um, you know, uh, bodily needs. Um, but that is a, a regular one as well, um, <clears throat> the, the, the loss of appetite. Um, it can be uh, extreme. A person might go through a day without, as they say, eating a bite. And, um, and of course, that could not continue um, 
because the person's health uh, would suffer. So, you know, uh, the anxiety then about the event and triggers uh, by it. Now, the triggers could be the triggers could be a car passing on the road, for example, uh, if we were talking about a road traffic accident um, as the um, event that happened. Um, it could be uh, something on the television, maybe an adventure program where something violent happens, and that brings the, um, you know, the mental pictures, the um, the intrusions back. Um, so it... it, it and I mean, one can't avoid the world completely. So that um, it's good to know that these um, uh, reactions are normal. And what we would say to a person in that situation would be, "You are a normal person reacting in a normal way to a very abnormal event." And uh, so that the symptoms are unpleasant but normal, and um, and that they. They do pass. Um, you know that phrase that we use so often, this too shall pass. Um, but it takes time. And I think it's um, it's beneficial to a person very much to have those feelings and thoughts normalized. In other words, like I remember one person saying to me one time, oh, good, so I'm not going crazy. And, uh, you know, it was very reassuring um, for that person to hear um, uh, that that the reactions were were normal, and that they're not the only person going through that. That if someone else has gone through something similar, they've also had those issues. You're not alone, oh, absolutely. I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 This would be very, very, very well documented. Um, I, I do trainings for the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation. They're CISM trainings, Critical Incident Stress Management, uh, for staff, sometimes in hospital, sometimes um, people who, uh, you know, we spoke last week of people who go out to scenes that they can't later unsee. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Garda on the news the other night who said um, very eloquently, um, you know, we we wear our uniform, we are doing our job, but we're human beings behind all that. And when we see some of the sights that we see, um, this was following now one of those very, very tragic um, uh, road traffic accidents where people died. Um, when we go home, we can't unsee what we have seen. And we were speaking earlier on, Joe, this morning to uh, Eddie, who used to work with the Cork Fire Service. He's retired now, but even he was making that point because there was a lot of issues yesterday on the show carried over to today on road safety. And he just made that very point when he goes home and he unfortunately has come across a a car accident as he did over the years. And there was young people in the car. Initially, when he came home, he just looked at his own uh, kids. And it's the first thing he did because he could see his own kids, you know, in the car. They were similar ages. So it does have an after effect uh, once you leave the scene and go home. It kind of stays with you for a while now in the emergency mm. services. Not that they get used to it, but it, it can happen, you know, on, on not a daily basis, but every few months, uh, but still yeah. hard to deal with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these sites are, as that man put it that evening on the news, um, uh, impossible to unsee. Um, and, and the anxiety can go right up to a panic attack. Um, that has happened. Um, uh, people can be in very bad form, um, you know, very low mood after such a thing happen, happening. And then 
there can be a loss of interest and pleasure in life. Like somebody who might have been, um, what do we think, of a fan of cinema or a fan of maybe the odd gig concert um, uh, might find they're just not going anymore. And um, one would be encouraging people to, um, you know, to slowly, slowly venture out, get back into the world, as it were. Yeah, but the main message, I suppose, today, Joe, is that for those listening who may find themselves, as we described there, of those various symptoms, they're not alone. You know, millions of people are victims of trauma, unfortunately, but who do recover, and that's the main thing from today. Absolutely, and to remember that you are a normal person reacting in a normal way to a very abnormal event. Okay, well, good messages as always, Joe. Thanks for joining us. We'll chat again to you next week. That is a regular counsellor on the show, Joe Heffernan. He's an accredited counsellor based in Boherbui. And you can contact him on 086-834-8145. We'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10am. Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon.